Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. I'm your host, Aaron, and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy, James. Hello there, sir. All right, James, you're all right. I'm, I'm grand. How are you? I am all right. I am fully recovered from last week's huge episode on TV series. It was huge. We, were, we went old school. We went classic Sims over two hours, but you know what? It felt good to... Get it all out. When we first started this podcast, 163 plus a few bonus episodes ago, yeah. two hours was like the ballpark figure that yeah. we kind of, we aimed on. And we hadn't done that for a few weeks. And I must admit last week, I was like, oh my God, when will this end? <laughs> I, I, I got tired of the, my I, own podcast. I, I, it's stamina, mate. We haven't, we haven't been training it for ages. You, you could feel it. It was like a marathon, mate. We made it. It's COVID. That's what it is. It, it just tired me out. But it was good. Last week was the Sims, first... the long COVID of podcasts. <laughs> um, it was the first time this podcast has broken away from its usual uh, agenda, which is to just discover the world's greatest movies and safely put them in our Sorry You're In My Seat vault. And for the first time, we broke away and we looked at the small screen and TV series. And I think we counted up to 80 TV shows we discussed last week in a mad dash to crown our individual top five TV shows. So... If, you, if this is your first time, like I said, there's over 163 episodes for you to go back and discover. Last week's a huge two-hour-plus episode on TV shows, but before that, we looked at the year 1990 and other movies therein. We've done recently the Fear Street trilogy. We've done directors and actors specials, and sometimes, like today, it's also bollocks. Yeah, sometimes you're just low energy, mate, low-key. You know, it's, it's a weird time of year. You know, The nights are getting longer, mate. We're going back into winter. You know, last week already, the feedback's been great about last week. So we decided, you know what, that formula, fuck with it again. <laughs> <laughs> so we, 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 we're pissing about this week we, in one of our Sorry in My Seat traditions, and that is just make it up as we go along, really. Yeah, pretty much. I know we've got recipes. We know we've got quiz. This is the podcast that brought you Beardies versus Baldies um, and vehicles in movies. And that time that we ran an election. <laughs> Yeah, we did that as well, didn't we? <laughs> that was a weird one. So this this week uh, has no exception to the uh, to the stupidity, and that is films that could be foods or films that go well with food. It's basically a mashup. It's a feast of movies <laughs> and food oh, in no, some weird way. It's a weird way, mate. I've stretched all of mine. I didn't even go as close as you know the obvious ones. I can't think of it. You know, well, this, chocolate. This, chocolate doesn't appear on my list at all. This is this is one of them where it, it spawned off the idea that a Guy Ritchie movie could be described as the full English. Yes. Right? So that's English. where all this started from. We were talking about, and that's not just, you know, your Jason Stathams and whoever in those movies. We were like, Guy Ritchie's the full English, right? Yeah. That's it. You can say it's full English. That's probably Cockney for something. I don't know, James. I'm not from London. Yeah. But we then got to thinking, well, what other movies could be foods? And- what foods go well with movies? Fuck it, I don't know where this episode's going. I'll be honest, James, I've done this 163 times and this is maybe the least prepared for a show I've ever been. Mate, I've got notes on this one. This is one of the times I've been most prepared. But luckily, they're the ravings of a madman. So let's see where we go. There is the usual film reviews as well. So this week, we're going to look at movies like The Report, which is on Amazon, Gunpowder Milkshake, which is now on Sky uh, and Now TV, and Cruella, which is available on Disney. I saw that with a very strapping young gentleman the other week. And me. And you. <laughs> so, uh, there we, so we have got some film talk in between. But like I say, today's whole theme, the thing that's connecting us together, the recipe for this episode is food. Food. Food for thought. 
Food for film. I've got to kick us off, James, just Ooh. to get us in the, in a mood. A little bit of a quiz. Yeah, also, people that are playing at home can just join in. I'm going to give you some actors. Yep. Um, and uh, the year of a movie, I want you to tell me what the film is. Bearing in mind, there will be a food or drink in the title. Okay. Okay. There are 11 of these, apparently. <laughs> I'm not going to get any of these. I eat quizzes. Do you know what? This is the only time I wish we maybe had a third person, so I won't seem as stupid in them. <laughs> well, I'm going to go, I'm going to start you off easy. So I'm going to give you the actors. You just need to very quickly think of the movie with a food in the title. So Seth Rogen, James Franco, Danny McBride. Oh, he's, yeah, I've got him on the ropes already. He's got me on the ropes already. Um, um, that, that drugs one. Yes. I can't remember what it's called. No, wait, wait, Pineapple Express. Pineapple Express, yeah, from 2008. All right, I'm going to give you the one. I like them a bit quicker, though, because someone Sorry. someone could be on the bus commuting to work or the train or walking their dog and could have been screaming, Pineapple Express! Well, that's fine. Then they beat me. Well done. You've beat me. Next one's more of a hint, because if I gave you who was in it, I don't think you'd get it. Okay. A religious cult of children. Linda Hamilton's in it. Children of the Corn. Corn, yeah. Children of the Corn. Well done. 1984. All right, here's a good one, then. Sean Penn, Josh Brolin, Emilio Hirsch. No idea on that one. Chocolate face. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a 2008 movie. Sean Penn, Josh Brolin. Milk. 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 Well done. Chocolate face, mate. Yeah. The sequel. <laughs> Ewan McGregor, Albert Finney, Billy Crudup. Big Fish. Big Fish, 2003. Guys, he's on fire now. Yeah. Angelina Jolie and Liv Schreiber. Oh. Uh, what year? It's uh, 2010. Why? Why would that make salt? Salt, well done. <laughs> yes. Next one, just one actor. Oh, oh no. Rowan Atkinson. Bean. Yes. <laughs> the ultimate disaster movie. <laughs> uh, next one, movie from 2000, starring Mel Gibson. Oh, oh, this is going to hurt me. I'm going to concede. Chicken run. Oh, that's devastating. That's devastating. Yeah, you're right. Bill Murray. Yes. And Michael Jordan. Space Jam. Yes. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf and Jake the Snake Roberts. Oh, mate, you can only be talking about the great film, Peanut Butter Falcon. Yeah. Michael Madsen. And Kiko. I don't know. Free Willy. I don't know why I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what? Because I was thinking Free Willy, and then oh, I put something you put in your mouth. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Susan Sarandon. This is the last one. You right there? Kind of lost it for a moment. Worried about what's coming next if, if number 10 was My, my original joke was there for, was going to be for the Japanese audience. But I, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I just remembered how little of them listeners we have. <laughs> Susan Sarandon, <coughs> Pete Possilwaif, Joanna Lumley. James and the Giant Peach. Yes. Well done. I think you got a home run bar free, Willie. Yeah, it was quite surprised with Salt because I've not seen it. <laughs> I was actually quite impressed with that one. Salt was one of the movies that I remember watching where I thought halfway through it, I was like, because it, it goes down a route. Salt, if you haven't seen it, Angie and Jolie is an undercover or potential undercover 
um, spy agent, you know, that's triggered, yeah. you know, um, in, in America. And, and, and I was going, I was watching that movie going, right, this film is going to go down one way and then it's going to change and it's going to be actually, you know, what you saw wasn't what you saw and it wasn't a double cross and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wouldn't it be interesting if it didn't? And it actually went down the route that it's shown you and, and hinting. And then it does. It was just as boring. <laughs> Mate, it's named after Soul. Soul Soul is an interesting thing. It's not the greatest movie, It brings flavour, but, you know. Mm. So we're off to a blinding start, James. That's uh, eight minutes in. <sighs> I, Just, I don't reckon this is going to be a two-hour one. To be I don't think this is going to be a two-hour one. Um, food, James. Food, food. food and movies. So it's rare that you see actors eat. You've said one of the most powerful scenes in cinema is in the film science when you see a, well, at this time, a still acceptably... To, is it acceptable to like Mel Gibson crying whilst eating food? Food, I imagine, is quite a disaster as well because we've got the sub-rise now of the the watchers, you know, the fans that don't watch a film for the story, they watch for the inaccuracies. One of the biggest ones is food. Actors hate working with food because if you take a bite out of it, then you must have that exact same bite scene to scene, otherwise you get called out for hocus-pocus and continuity. Oh, yeah. So food's an, a natural act, isn't it, Which is why soup is always the go-to... If you watch the movie, uh, sorry, you watch the TV series Scrubs, which made my top five last week. Yeah. Um, I was listening to Zach Braff's podcast and he was saying uh, if he had to eat in the cafeteria scenes, he'd always request soup because it was easier for continuity. Yeah. And but there'll lot- be some actors that were like, no, I'm going for the free burgers, so I'll keep taking chomps out of them. Uh, see, that's that's dangerous. But so food is a, food's a weird one. Also, if we want to go back to TV series like the idea of 24, the biggest question when he came out of 24 was what happened to, you know, his daughter. No, no, it was when does he eat? When mm. does he have a shit? <laughs> but they even tried to smuggle that in. And I always thought that was Richard, but if you watch series one, when he gets captured like the second time, he's in an interrogation room eating the chips. Yeah. And I was like, Jack Brown don't eat chips. He eats bullets. <laughs> <laughs> so food's always been this dangerous one. Um, but weirdly, if you put food in a story context, you do get some loving great stories. Um, I'm reminded of the film Chef. Mm. And you, oh, you love that yes. film. Yes. About a, a high profile chef that just basically falls out of love with cooking and to reignite it. Oh, sorry, who's the actor? It's, it's, it's uh, um, I know so he's a director now. Everyone's favourite, John Favreau. John Favreau, it basically buys an old round food truck and he falls in love with cooking and, you know, reignites his love for family and, and trying out the spices mm. in his. That was brilliant, that was. All all based on a critic destroying his, what he called like, um, what was it, like pretentious food. So he goes out and he like cooks burritos, mate. Oliver Platt is that pretentious food oh, critic. Oh, Oliver Platt, the back-to-back mentions, mate. Yeah. All hail. Oh, no, he didn't, wasn't last week. You can tell before. with Chef, though, was a was a love project of John Favreau when he cashed in all of those Iron Man and Marvel kind of favours. He's like, yeah, Robert Down Jr., like, I, I need you for a scene. In this movie, and um, Scott Johansson appears in it as well, doesn't he? Cameos in it as well. It's very good. It's, a great it's an film amazing film. film. Makes me so hungry watching that film. Yeah. It's a bit the same with. So I'm vegetarian, and I'm not throwing that in there as a like, you know, like, oh, I'm vegan kind of thing. But even movies where, like, I watch things like Pulp Fiction, I kind of want a burger when he's talking about the burgers. Yeah. No, he, they, he does do a very good job. What I never understood is they should have done times. They should have, McDonald's should have done the Hawaiian burger. <laughs> I always liked, do you know what, going back to a few, it was a few months ago now, The Founder, whilst McDonald's isn't known for its food, it's, it's more of a corporation, I've really enjoyed hearing the story of this this kind of fast food restaurant that's a blue rated world. Food plays a very important part in the films that you watch, either making them, either taking part of the stories regarding them. It's very good. I mean, even Ratatouille. Yeah. Comes down to a love of food, mate. Food's everywhere. Food, glorious food. Mm. Sorry, sorry, no, sorry. No one's going to say, I think we're doing a pretty good job. I imagine we're about 30 minutes in now. We're 12. I'm not doing that well. <laughs> I, like, I, like, I, like, I, like, I mean, obviously, the, the go-to yeah. is sweets. 
Everyone was asleep. Charlie and Chocolate Factory, mate. Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Let's go straight one. in there. You wanted to play around in Willy Wonka's playground. I wanted to be knees deep in his chocolate river. Any day of the week. If so, I'd be lapping it up if I was in his in his playground. What I don't understand is, maybe you can help me out with this. You remember the first room they go in and everything's edible? Mm. Why isn't there just like a bunch of dead, I was going to say, chumba wumbers? <laughs> Where's that come from? An umphalumpa. An umphalumpa. So you have to give me, I thought it was 96. It's a little diabetic. <laughs> it's just a diabetic fat right decaying And I'm having it right now, mate, that... I'm having it right now that from Foot Fun Pins Chumba Wumba came out in 98, surely. All right. Surely that was on FIFA 98 soundtrack with Blue's Song 2. I believe it was. I'm going to Google it, James. <laughs> it's the important things. Anyway, um, I'm going to point it out though, though, and I think you hopefully, you know Willy Wonka, you know he's a great and everything. Maybe he should have industrialised his, his factory. Because that first room, I don't understand what he gets from it. Oh my God, the grass is edible. That's fantastic. But unless he's actually shaving, unless he's actually selling grass shavings for 35p a bag, it's pointless. Just like I never understood that room that gets smaller. You know, the corridor literally just before it. Why is it unnecessarily difficult? Imagine an inspection from the Hell Standards says, mate, how would you explain that? I said, well, why? Oh, because, you know, magic, chocolate's magic to children. It's like, well, yeah, but you're running a restaurant, you pillock. Where are the passports? Where's the right to work in the EU for these umpalumpas? Like, I agree with everything you're saying. It's a bureaucracy nightmare. And you're a big fan of health and safety. So he doesn't have railings, but he does have pneumatic like suction tubes that will kill a child. Came also- out, it came out in 97. <laughs> we'll split the difference. We'll split the difference <laughs> that. Also, I've got another one for you. Sorry, I'm going to be a bit of a I apologise. Um, why, uh, Augustus Gloop is known to be a fan one. Why do you trust him? Why do you get guards with him? It's your own fault. You know, he eats everything in that room and you're just thinking, well, you should have known on Plumpers. You should have known. You should have known Willy Wonka. His name's Augustus Gloop. He's fat and he's eating everything. Pillock. I don't see... It's going gonna, it's gonna to take at least six on Plumpers though to take that kid down. That, take that, knees that, out, mate. that kid was... He, he was drunk on chocolate, man. Yeah. He was going for it. I never... Of all the things in that room, though, I never wanted to try the chocolate river. It looked You dirty. don't know he's been in there, do you? He looked, he looked rank. That boat wasn't sanitised as well. I didn't see any toilets. I mean, that I, I mm. just, just breaks up a lot of negativity for me. Yeah, is that giant goose a few jaws down? You don't know what's going on, do you? Exactly, but do you know what I did love? I did love the uh, toadstool that's just got like foam marshmallow in it. That was, yeah. That was dope. I wanted some of that. Mm. I, I would put it up there with the food from Hook. Oh, The mate. food from Hormace, like my bank, my basic banquet bitch thing. I'd be mm. like, oh, I'll have a dream about that. That's me, I'm done. Could have everything you wanted. Forgot about that scene, yeah. It's up there with Matilda as well, because I, I would never, I'll never understand this. So Matilda, the, another child gets picked on by Trunchbull. She's like, did you have a slice of my chocolate cake? He's like, mm. balls, yes, I did. Like, eat it all then. It's like, fucking, and that kid's like, oh no, I don't want to do it. It's like, fuck down, kid. It's time yeah. to, it's time to not push up. <laughs> yeah. This, this, this is, is mate, a man made boy. Mate, you're eight years old. This, this is your moment. No one gets a moment like this. You finish this, mate. All through high school, you're going to get smashed. You're going to absolutely fucking love this, mate. This is your moment. And the kids then, about diabetes. Come on. You'll fucking do it, mate. Dig deep. And then you're supposed to think, oh, it looks horrible. He's just eating it by chunks, mate. I'm on his side. I'm like, do him. <laughs> mate, they're my, they're my three banquets. <laughs> I tell you a banquet scene that puts me off. It's not necessarily a banquet scene, but there's always every time Kano takes a bite out of a turkey leg in Mortal Kombat. Yes. I just want to go wipe your face. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not good. He is number one. He is a he is an advert for vegetarians. He just yeah. he does he 
Also, that meat looks fucking rank. Also, how long's it been out? <laughs> that was another question I was going to ask. So, so how do you prepare food for this? Do you have to constantly cook it for scenes? But presumably you don't because it'd just be a waste. So a banquet scene. Like the number, there's two in that film. So at the beginning, they all go to a massive, like lavish banquet, but then all the combats kick it over. So you've just wasted that. For so I understand that you probably probably use fake food for that. But this thing where you've actually got to eat it and then destroy it, do you keep cooking it? Or do you just risk that, you know, Sub-Zero is going to take a bite of a really bad chicken wing and you're just be like, man, that's your fault. <laughs> Can't imagine Sub-Zero just breaking away from all the fines just to you know, like have some cucumber sticks and hummus. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't strike me as the, the nibbler. He strikes me as the kind of person who eats once a day, gets it done. Also, I, okay, I've got one for you as well. You know, Thanos, mm. you know, he's on his planet at mm. the, at the beginning of, uh, oh, in Endgame. Endgame. That man's just farming mangoes, mate. He's, just he's farming, minding his own business. He's just farming mangoes. Why don't I sound like this? It's, mate, just before you destroyed the Infinity, you know, stones, maybe just like put McDonald's in. <laughs> like, maybe you'll have one of them. <laughs> he's, he's like, he's half burnt and he's destroyed the Infinity stones. He's like, fuck, I picked the wrong place to be. Uh, There's nothing just, there. you know, like, Nice views, man. <laughs> just, like, just like, do you like mangoes? It's like, well, you're pretty fucked then, mate. Could be a papaya. I don't want any hate mail. Yeah, it, but whatever sorry. it is. But also whatever it is. Except it's papayas. Um, also, you know, there's that famous question about, hey, man, what, what is he eating on that bullshit planet? Because he is hench. You know, there's no protein powder stores, mate. He's eating, he's eating dust. He's found some protein somewhere, hasn't he? He's found some protein. Dolph Lundgren sniffs out protein. Yeah. So, you know, for food. 17 and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> And also, the thing is, you know we've been talking about doing this episode for a week, so I can't believe how ill-prepared we are. This, this, The worst thing about this episode, though, is that it's, I bet you people are going to listen to it. Everyone's like, this is different. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's bring their A-game. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to break it up. I'm going to break it up with a cinema release that I saw, a cinema release that I saw a few weeks ago, Free Guy. So, um, basically about a massive multiplayer online virtual reality. You go in there, it's like GTA online, but you know, you put on your, you put on your suits, it's interactive, shoot people up. Meet Guy, played by Ryan Reynolds. He's an NPC, non-playable character. His role is to go to the bank and the, the bank's role is to get robbed. One day he finds a player called uh, Jodie Comer, and I know you're a big Jodie Comer fan. Everyone hey, yep. is. Um, she plays Molotov Girl, so she's a player on the outside world. Who that's her avatar, and she Does she played the avatar and the person on the outside world. Yes, she, yeah. she plays the both. So uh, she uh, basically trying to look for a code. So the creator of this game, Taika uh, Waititi, Antoine, played by Taika Waititi. Yeah, um, yeah I'll get onto that. Uh, I will get onto that. Um, so she's trying to find some code because she believes that Taika Waititi has stolen it from her, and so she's there trying to find where he's hidden it. So guy becomes sentient. The birth of AI and starts becoming quite popular in the game for basically breaking out character, getting high scores. But he doesn't do it through villainy, mate. He doesn't do it from shooting up banks. He does it from helping people. Mm. And his score skyrockets and becomes an internet phenomenon. Everyone wants to know who is Guy. Well, guys, they don't realise he's actually an NPC in the game. Fully aware, mate. Self-evolved. Falling in love. Skynet. Skynet. This is how it starts, James. This is how it starts. So what is this film? Who is it for? Well, to me, it's quite clearly Disney grabbing all of that pie of Ready Player One. Yeah. This film is all about Easter eggs, Weirdly, and because it's a Disney produced film, I'm going to tell you that it it builds up. He knew that you were running it for the Easter eggs. It leads up to a big fight scene that involves Star Wars, the Avengers. It knows where he knows the intellectual properties it can hold. So a few weeks ago, we were talking about um, Space Jam, mm-hmm. and I mentioned Space Jam did that as well. It knew that you were going to love the fact that Warner Brothers had the rights to Game of Thrones. Tease you with that. Free Guy does the same. Ultimately, is disappointing. The reason it's disappointing is. Uh, 
when you compare it to actually Ready Player One, there's actually more of, it does a better job because it's not about the Easter eggs. It's actually about a decent storyline about, you know, accepting who you are, believing, do you have a purpose? Where do you feel in life? It's let down though because this biggest asset is Taika Waititi and they don't, they rein him in. Mm. I imagine he could have had, he could have had free reign on free guy to do whatever he wanted. Disappointing. We're well, with Green Lantern all over again. Put them two yeah. together. Some some reason Takwatisi's in the shadow. I don't understand it. This was perfect. He's, he's played an over the top villain already. Just let him go. Let Taika be Taika. Ultimately, you know, Chris Evans, Hugh Jackman, Dwayne Johnson all appear as cameos. They're fine. It's okay. The Easter eggs aren't as plentiful as Ready Player One. Is it better than Ready Player One? It's up there. You know, it does a good, it has a decent storyline. Ryan Reynolds has great uh, chemistry with Jodie Comer, but I think Jodie Comer has, has great chemistry with everyone. She's a chemistry set, mate. Um, but no, ultimately, a bit of a disappointment for me. I like Ready Player One because it was a film about Easter eggs where it put the Easter eggs at the forefront of the movie, that but at the same cool. time had Easter eggs in the background. And so it was just an egg fest. I think my problem is, is that I no one, you couldn't concentrate on one aspect of the story because you were too busy. Like the big, the big race car scene. Mm. Oh my God, he finds it by learning something. One, someone would have definitely done that already because there's always a pillar who reverses. Always. I'm always like, I just like sod it. Why not? But I was too busy interested in like, oh my God, there's a car from Back to the Future. Oh my God, there's the like 1989 Batmobile. Oh my God, there's Ecto-1. All the stuff like that was disappointing because I was more interested in what was in the background. Mm. A huge fight scene at the end that everyone's building up to. More interested that Serenity from Firefly was up there. I was like, oh my God, the ship Serenity. Yeah, I was disappointed with them both. Oh, I love Ready Player One. I do want to see Free Guy, but the problem, the problem with a nine-month-old baby is you can't just leave it at home. Yeah. Or can you, James? Well, it sounds like you've just written the script for Terrible Dad. <laughs> <laughs> If Free Guy was a f- food, what would it be? It would be... It sounds like a dessert, like a big... Mate. Like, you know, like when you go to one of these, like, big eatery, carvery places and you get the super waffle ice cream dessert with, like, the five flakes and two spoons, but you only need the one spoon, James, because you ain't a shearer. I ain't a shearer. That's Free Guy. It's possible. Or I would go, Tango It's trying to be Fanta, mate, but everyone prefers Fanta. <laughs> it's it's just a rip-off of something else. There you go, store-bought Coca-Cola. There you go. Um, while we're keeping it on theme of, uh, I suppose, new releases, uh, and and also one that we can't really talk about because I know you haven't seen this film uh, like I haven't seen Free Guy, is Gunpowder Milkshake, which keeps it on brand because of Milkshake. Acceptable, I like yeah, that. Thank you, thank you. Um, so this is a movie that uh, I thought was coming out on Netflix, and, and I didn't realise it came out on Now TV. And I, I thought it came, was coming out weeks ago, and it's, it's just landed. And hey, I they've been it, doing that a lot lately. Like, Lewis, uh, the final series came on Netflix, and I didn't realise it until the other day. I was like, oh, this is the final series. Yeah. I thought there would have been a bit of fanfare. Well, I, I don't know whether or not this has gone through some uh, production change or what have you, and uh, it's finally found its home on Now TV. I think it has also a select... Um, release on in some cinemas as well but um it's a uh it's an action-packed kind of neon lit bright hyper violent assassin driven uh action flick adventure by director navot papa shadow uh, nice. it stars karen gillian it's got lena henry and it. it's got uh carla uh how do you pronounce the name gugino I know who you mean. Angela Bassett, Freya Allen. Um, it, it's a pretty big, strong cast. And the, say, yeah. the main excitement for me was Karen Gillian. In, I love Karen in, Gillian. Though. In the forefront, because I think she's excellent, really. I think she's world-class. Yeah, because I, I said this with the Jumanji movies, like everyone goes on about Kevin Hart and The Rock, and actually in both movies, 
I think Karen Gillian's having so much fucking fun and she, really kind of shines in them two films. I think she's a sponge. So I will, her biggest break was probably for British TV was, you know, being the, the sidekick to Doctor Who. She used that momentum though to become like the standout character from Guardians of the Galaxy. Then Guardians of the Galaxy came out the standout members of the Avengers and then she's just using that to do bigger films. Yeah. Thinking think Nebula as well, like, that is a pretty dark storyline in, yeah. in, in, in that world. In a world that is about, you know, raising half the population in the universe. But. And, and also has the benefit, not the benefit, sorry, the, the trouble that her story could be like submerged, you mm. know, like you wouldn't, because there's so many big characters in it and she's not, you know, going into Endgame, going, oh my God, I hope nobody kills someone. Mm. You know, she's like, she's got a double part in the last film. Mm. Good, for, good for you, Karen, you're doing it. Well, she is obviously uh, firmly placed front and centre as an A-list leading lady in this movie. It is action-packed. It is, like I say, neon lit. I, you go into this movie, we've seen the poster, seen the trailer, you know what you're going to get. It does feel somewhat formulaic. It parts the story is about... It's set up between three generations of women um, who fight back against those that are holding them down. Men. Men. No, it's, 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 it's the story sets up that uh, Lena Henley is the uh, mother figure to Karen Gillian's character. She is then, uh, well, she's an assassin. She disappears for 15 years. Uh, Karen Gillian's character then grows up to also then become an assassin. A character called Sam, who then on a job, uh, which is sent on by Paul Giamatti, there is a young orphaned girl. So now there's that mirroring of her childhood and she tries to take her under a wing. And so you get these kind of three generations and it turns out the mom isn't dead and they all have to work together in this big um, plot when the, you know, Paul Giamatti who set her up is now the villain. And it's one of them where you're like, I, I, oh, this is, it's quite formulaic, this stuff. Yeah, like, it can I, get quite you, chalky. You kind of seen this. Yeah, I, that idea of the, um, I oh. suppose, the surrogate slash, uh, uh, like, fatherly figure yeah, in, in all parent. Assassin's movies, yeah. this happens, where it's then like, oh, I send them on a job. And then when they don't fulfill the contract, they turn on him. And then it's that dilemma of, oh, I have to go against the person who raised me, you know, and that kind oh, of- Harlequin and the, uh, sorry, Birds of Prey and Emancipation of Harlequin. Even Polar went down that route. Just mm. like, you know, oh, and we serve the younger generation. It is quite, I think it's number one plot for an assassin movie now. It's like, like go against the grain. Because in reality, if you think about it, your main character assassin can't be an assassin because then they're the villain. <laughs> so they have to turn good at some point. That is the number one route, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they go down that anti-hero route, don't they? If I only kill bad guys, I only kill those that deserve it. I'm, mm. You know, the Robin Hood kind of thing. But... The, I mean, the, the problem with this is, is the storyline-wise, it doesn't offer anything new, I suppose, to the assassin genre. And then the the action is good. There are some really good choreographed scenes. There is a particularly good fight scene in a bowling alley that's pretty good. There's also um, a kind of like car uh, chase in a uh, multi-story car park, which is pretty fun. And it does have a nice balance of like comedic action and almost, you know, like physical performance from uh, Karen Gillian's character where... In particular, there's a standout scene where both her arms basically become numb and unusable. So she has to attach a gun to one and a knife to the other with sellotape and take out three assassins. And it, so it, it does play well. So it does have fun. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely not trying to be serious. It's not oh, trying to. It's, it's not trying to like speak to an audience on on like that that serious level. It is it is popcorn fun. Um, the problem with it is, is it kind of then outstays its welcome because you're always looking for the the, the scene that's going to take it beyond what you've already seen. And, and I think when it comes to its climax, it doesn't, I wasn't, it, it, let's put it this way, if, if like my phone went off, I'd probably like 
pause the movie and then get distracted. I, I wasn't sold all the way towards the end of the movie. And that could be because of the home viewing thing. And if it was on the cinema and a big screen, you know, where you're concentrating more and you less distractions and, you know, I've got like a nine-year-old, a nine-month-old kind of crawling around everywhere. It might be involved in it a little bit more. There is a lot to take away from this movie. Like I say, I mean, Gary Gillen, we can't talk enough about. Lena Headley, this, I mean, Headley, this is like, this is her wheelhouse, you know. I've seen yeah. her in a lot of these kind of movies where these like kind of like violent movies. She's good with a gun, you know, she's she can choreograph fight scenes really well. Um, Paul Giamatti, you know, we, we're straight away shooting what kind of character, territory with this movie. Zero glasses. Zero go away. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, and he, like I say, he's quite violent and bloody and uh, gory in times and in places. There, In fact, actually, there is one scene it's no spoiler because it's, it's such a small thing. But there is this one scene where there's a there's a in the in the job that goes wrong. There's a third party, a gang that are all wearing masks of classic villains like vampires and werewolves and stuff like that. And she does put like she does stab one of them with a wooden handle, and he's got a vampire mask on. And the, and it does it it is pretty like tongue in cheek of like you know stake through the heart kind of thing. Yeah. And it, there, there are some moments where I'm like, that's really cool, actually. Like, it's kind of like a gag within the gag, you know. And so there are some bits I was like, ah, oh, pleasantly surprised at. But on the whole, it is it is very, very safe. Yeah, very what, safe. What's it called? Gunpowder Milkshake. And it is on? Sky, now TV. Sounds like a Saturday night. If you've not got better plans, maybe watch it again Friday night. Yeah, put know, some popcorn on, put maybe. Some popcorn, yeah. Bit, bit of tank. Bit of tango, maybe maybe a hot dog. Oh, maybe something like that to go with this movie, or a bowl of cereals. There you go. Something. Eat something during this film. <laughs> it's a milkshake, but it is a vanilla milkshake. Ah, there you go. That's nice. That is. Oh, um, food. food. Thirty for minutes th- in, James. Food for thought. What's your? Uh... No, I got nothing. <laughs> something about food. Should we do Cruella? We both did. We both watched that. We both watched Cruella. What foods in it though? Dog meat. Cruella. <laughs> Cruella. Um, I was not in a rush to watch the origin story of a Disney villain who wanted to make a coat out of dogs. I. Do you know what? Is it a generational thing? Are kids today? Are young adults who are younger than us screaming out? They want origin stories for hateful people from the nineties and the eighties. This with Nurse Ratchet, never really cared about the backstory about, you know, either of these characters. And now there's like a giant Disney film. I didn't think it was going to work. And I'll get right off the bat. I actually, the movie did the best it could with what I thought this film was going to be. I'd agree with that, but but I did still didn't like this film. Oh, I quite like this. It's a live action prequel feature film, Cruella DeVille, starring Emma Stone. Big Big box office, like, and budget with this movie. Like, this this movie, you can say what you want about it, visually is stunning. It felt like a huge, big budget release. And it, and um, the story of it is, is Emma Stone as Estella. It kind of gives her origin story of her kind of broken home and uh, family kind of, you know, on the, on the down and out. Um, tragedy strikes the family and then she's taken under the wing of uh, Jasper and Horace played by Joel Fry and Paul Whitehauser is the two kind of I don't know Cockney survivors survivors of the streets 
They're, they're Oliver Twist boys. And they form a bandit, a group of pickpocketers and thieves and low rent criminals um, until Emma Stone's character, Stella, uh, works her way up into the fashion industry um, where she has a natural talent and, and gravitational pull and a keen eye for um, going under the wing of Emma Thompson's The Baroness. And I tell you what, if you needed a more evil uh, villain in the movie Cruella, <laughs> like yeah. Emma Thompson steps up. Emma Thompson was brilliant. In this she song. is absolutely detestable as the Baroness. Like there is not, where is Cruella? You could give an origin story, which is like, well, this is actually why she's bad. And you know, and this is actually what did it. There is nothing redeeming about Baroness. Every second she's on screen, she's detestable. There's yeah. never a moment where you're like, oh, it's because she's insecure. It's because she had a tragic upbringing. Or it's because of this, that, and the no, other. She's just, a, she's just a fucking knob. It's up there with me. Is it's kind of like Emma Thompson went into work one day, and they were filming the next Bond film next door, and she went in the wrong stage. <laughs> she was like, "Well, because you have brought villainy here, that is next level, is wasted kind of in this young adult film." But if she was up against James Bond, that would make more sense. Like she's a fashion designer. How many armed guards does she need? Mark Strong is what she needs. Mark Strong. At what point does he pick up a gun? <laughs> so I watched this film with you. And how often was I screaming, so where's his gun? <laughs> When's he going to nut someone? Mark, Mark Strong is in the movie for, a, for a, a quite lengthy period of time where you cannot help but think, so why is Mark Strong in this movie? Because yeah. he's got to be a point to why Mark Strong is in this movie. And then when he reveals himself, you're like, okay, that'll do now. <laughs> Get to the back, Mark Strong. <laughs> you're done. No, you but the, speak. the movie is lavish. It's big, it's bold, it's bright. It's, it's you know, draped in all sorts of outlandish kind of costumes that, that Emma Stone pulls off amazingly. I think the production, the, the design, the overall aesthetics of this movie, you cannot disagree, is stunning. There is a montage sequence of Cruella's creations and, and the, the outfits, and they are they are showstoppers. It, they are is, it is the absolute highlight in some of that. There's an iconic scene, you know, of her um, arriving with kind of like spray paint, like paint on her face and the, the word future is written on. Yeah. And it is this bold kind of iconic look that Emma Stone pulls off. And she pulls this off amazingly because she does manifest into that kind of Cruella, Cruella character that we know. But- I she has also the kind of the vulnerability at the beginning of the movie really to kind of show an arc to that character. And I, I think she's stand out in the film. The film, the character of Cruella is amazing, especially because I genuinely could believe they're a fashion icon, which makes me think that in 101 Dalmatians film, you know, if you ever saw it, you could see why they would be Cruella Deville Because mm. she is, as a fashion icon, is brilliant. You know, she shows up with the future, shows up with like a, a dress made of bim. Oh, it's like, yeah, it's like rubbish. Yeah. I'm trying not to do spoilers. I'm like, that's fine. You know, and and that's all brilliant. That's all amazing. I really like the style, like you said, and the, the design of the black and the white is brilliant. Uh, and uh, The red as well, you know, the red hint, especially in the word credit, and the signature style. It's all fantastic. It's all brilliant. And ultimately, if this wasn't about villains and Emma Stone was playing the Joker, this film would still work because <laughs> it... <laughs> Because this is what this is where it throws me a little. Because the armed henchmen in a Batman film is still the same as the Ronan Cruella movie. It's so I never realised it was such a good gig in armed security for I don't know Marks and Spence. So I'll be honest, like, this is so this is where we're diverse. So obviously, I'm, I'm completely I agree with you. It's fantastic. Those scenes as well where. Uh, the character of Cruella, who at this time is kind of like a Robin Hood, is showing up and disrupting because she wants to destroy everything the Baroness stands for. Because she wants to make a big name for herself. She wants to be the next big thing. 
And then you get the headlines, mate. And you know the headlines lost me. It's like all these headlines going, oh my God, Cruella strikes again. And I just remember thinking, Who the f- why is this Who front cares? page news? Who cares about yeah. this? Who gives a shit? Because <laughs> this is in like the 80s. Mm. I, I, I lived in the 80s. I never once saw like, Unless, unless you know, when he died, I never saw Versace on the front page of any newspaper. I, I don't, I, I'm doing it wrong. I don't, I don't follow fashion. Believe that or not, James. <laughs> really? But I know, I know that's hard to believe. Like you know, with my kind of charity shop jumpers and plaid lumberjack shirts hey, that I mate, tend to wear. You pull it off there. But I, I don't follow fashion. I often do find myself looking at like videos of like Jared Leto at the red carpet and just thinking, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> That Met Gala was this week as well. That was a fucking laugh on it. Looked yeah. like the circus. While I was if I was ever invited to Met Circus, I would go in in, in a shorts and t-shirt because I'd get fucking booed. Yeah. They'd be like, not much of a freak. Get him. <laughs> I, I do like that though. And the red carpet, like, who are you wearing? I just love one of them to go, George. Chewy, <laughs> <laughs> to you. I just, I don't get... Giacomo, I'm a fat lad. <laughs> I just don't, I don't, I don't get the, the, the craze with fashion. And when you see a runway model wearing something obscure and, and everyone's taking photos, it's like, yeah, but no one's ever going to fucking wear I that. I don't understand it. You know, when they do those big shows and they're like, oh my God, it's the, the next fashion. Mm. And they do the Milan show. And if you see someone officially wearing like a bag over their head with traffic lights on their arms, you just think you're never going to be in Tesco and see that person wearing that. Yeah. <sighs> Just jeans and t-shirt, mate. Yeah. But so, so I, I liked it because it was like peeking behind the curtain of a world I know nothing about. And and Cruella kind of delivers on that level. Yeah, the storyline is absolutely dog food. <laughs> it, it, like the storyline is fucking terrible. And like we were like, we were talking when we was watching, it was like, how are we going to get from this character, this girl, this young girl. That you are on their side. Yeah. To, you know, that animated villain who wants to skin dogs. Yeah. Like it's a big leap. And I'm not convinced this movie entirely gets us there, but it was fun for the also quite a long runtime, like nearly two hour movie. It was, but you know what? I thought it was actually quite fun. It engaged me enough that I didn't get bored. It had me enough to pick at it. Mm. You know, I, that's me. I'm a picker though. I think if I, I think if I was watching it with my kids, then that would be all right. Uh, we had pizza during that movie. We did have pizza. The pizza was also good. The pizza was good. I had a square pizza. This movie to me would be... Is that uh, how you got food in it? No, uh, this is how I'm going to get food into it. This food, if I had to describe this movie as a food, yeah, I would say it's more of a, like a, it's a pick and mix, but there are quite a lot of licorice in there. Uh, I'm not a fan of licorice. Exactly. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. The ratio of licorice to non-licorice is a bit too high for me. But at its centre is a giant jelly bean of goodness. Of goodness. There's, only, there's only one of them. Oh, two of them. Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson. Okay, I'll have two jelly beans in that yeah, pot. Two then. jelly beans. Maybe Mark Strong. No. I like to think that this was Mark Strong branching out in roles because I don't want to play a hard man. Well, would you play a butler? <laughs> is it Batman's butler? No. Fuck it. I'll do it. <laughs> he is the natural state. You know when they redo Batman for the 80th time? Mm. Mark Strong will be Alfred Butler. Yeah. I mean, he's got to be in line for it, hasn't he? He's got to be. Just <laughs> Mark Strong was a Bond villain as well. How's that not happened yet? I don't know. I mean, if you can be villain in Sharp, you can be villain in anything. Mark Strong wasn't in Sharp. He fucking was. Fucking all right. You no, 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 no. I carry. On. I believe you. I don't believe you, but I believe you. No, he was. Um, did you watch the report? I did watch the report because you sent me a text saying, "James, uh, have you seen the report? It's such a you movie." I love. And do you know what? 
It was. It's such a you movie. It, it wasn't me movie. This, this movie is like a cheese sandwich with oh. nothing in it. Just plain cheese sandwich. That sounds perfect, mate. But it's exactly when you want a cheese sandwich. Mm. That's how I would describe this movie. Uh, like, oh, you put a bit of mayo in there, a bit of lettuce, a bit no. of onion? No. No. Just give me a plain white cheese sandwich. Thick bread. Please. Thick cheese. Oh, yeah. But that's all you wanted. That is all I wanted. There's a toaster. You could have had cheese and toast. No. I wanted the cheese sandwich. The report is a movie by Scott Z. Burns. It stars Adam Driver, Annette Berlin, and John Hamm. And I must admit, on that cast alone, I was already texting you saying this movie is for you before we even right. got into the context of what the movie is about. Have you got a synopsis? Do you want me to go through it? No, you go through it, mate, because I'm currently about to show you a picture of Mark Strong as the villain in Sharp. Oh, God, Mark Strong was in Sharp. <laughs> Sharp's mission, mate. Check it out. That's him as a French colonel as well. I, I, got, I got the French bit. <laughs> okay, sorry. From the outfit. So uh, the, the 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 report is a movie that's now on Amazon, and it um, it looks at the after effects of nine eleven and how the CIA, the FBI, the American state um, government, and the and agencies came together, um, leading investigations post nine eleven, and in particular the CIA strategy to um, use EI. So it's the detention interrogation program that the, that the movie yeah. looks at. And Adam Driver's character in it, uh, inspired by real-life events, um, Daniel Jones is asked by Senate uh, Feinstein, Feinstein, who's played by uh, Annette Benning. One of the longest-serving senators in US history. Uh, asks uh, Daniel Jones, Adam Driver's character, to investigate uh, and to compile a report, obviously, hence the movie's title. To find a report, basically, it's kind of like timed as well, because um, the CIA are going to write their own one. Mm. and there's an event that happens. And this is all true, which is amazing, is that the CIA shut out. They shut out the uh, investigation Senate team because they're about to uh, suffer legal charges from the Justice Department. So it's like they're fine. So they, they basically circle their wagons. And what you've got is you've got Adam Driver against a wall. Can't speak to anyone, so he has to do the rarest thing. And one of my favourite things in, in, in a movie, he has to investigate. Mm. Sorry, mate, I've taken over. No, no, that's perfect. That's perfect. So he's also non-political. That's also key. So, so he has to be completely neutral. It's all about the facts. And then what you get is you get the story told through a timeline. So you'll see uh, our lovely Adam Driver. Oh, he's so good. He's talking to characters and events. And then you see what happens through flashbacks. So you'll see um, from his own, because I didn't write the notes, that's why I've got the characters' names. I know that uh, Michael C. Hall plays the lawyer on the... CIA side, who is basically towards the end of the film starts battling him, which is pretty good. Got Moira Tiny, Tiny, um, Tierney, yeah. Tierney. Sorry, she's um, so she's one of the what you call the CIA handlers, and they bring in contract specialists who decide they're selling me on the idea that we will torture these people. So the CIA technically aren't doing it; they're paying someone eighty million pounds to do it for them. It's about, and then the big question is: is it's happening? But then the CIA start burning the tapes, start burning the records of it happening. Mm. So basically, Adam Driver has an impossible task to just find out what happened when all evidence has been destroyed. And it, the film basically is that, is about the struggles about going up against a different government as well, because at the time this happened, you had George W. Bush and Cheney. But when the report's happening, it's obviously under Obama and his chief of staff, who's then played by John, John Hamm. So you've got great political ideologies playing against each other. However, you don't have to be political to watch this film. It's essentially the question is, is it doesn't even answer the question, is torture right? It asks the questions, does it work? Which is actually a different, which is even like a better message, if that makes sense. No, I, no, I don't know. I kind of talked myself out of that mid-sentence. 
it is hard without giving it away, isn't it? With the yeah. actual what what goes into it, I think you're right. I mean, the, the cast in this is pretty pretty epic. You've got people like Tim Blake Nelson appearing That's for scenes. That's who I was trying to think of. Tim Blake Nelson, yeah, just you, shows up. You got Ben McKenzie appears for a set scene. Um, you, you know, it is and and this is a movie where you're going to get things like uh, Adam Driver walking across you know, Washington monuments when there is no one else around and just staring longingly at like the, yeah. the you know, the justice he's, building. He's or, just thinking about justice. Yeah. And he's, <laughs> you know, he's got a coffee and a satchel as he's walking around. This is a movie where, you know, you're going to see long shots of Saturday, a laptop, you know, all hours of the morning, you know, and, and you're going to have conversations in car parks, you know, at, at the weird hours of the day and, and handover of information and classified documents. Make and sure, you, make sure you, you say senior White House officials, you know, you don't ever give your name. You don't answer it, yes or no to a question. You, if you, if seven answers will do, you'd be like, maybe. Yeah, it is that movie. And it, and it does, like, yeah, the, the real interesting part of it is it doesn't go down the route of trying to tell you whether or not um, torturing an individual is, is right or wrong. And the thing is, what I like about this as well is there is a lot of pop culture references. There is a moment where Adam Driver in a heated uh, conversation um, he was 24 it goes it, this isn't Jack Bauer doing you know shooting someone in the kneecap to get information you know it, it, give it up instantly yeah. it's like it doesn't happen it's yeah. it, it, you know and, and then when it goes to the interrogation flashbacks and the, the scenes and, and some of that is really really off there are scenes in that that, are, that I'll always remember there is a scene in particular of an exchange between Tim Blake Nelson's character and, and Driver where there's a particular, they're talking about a particular date detainee who may or may not be uh, attached to 9-11 terrorist attacks. And um, they mention about going be too too far with the torture techniques uh, and interrogation techniques. And he says he's a uh, doctor on site and he goes, no, yes. you'll only get a nurse, uh, you know, a practicing nurse like me because doctors have a hypocrite oath not to I will do, uh, do, will no, do no harm. harm. And it's moments like that. Them moments are way more impactful than- The actual- yeah. yeah, because I think one of the standout moments for me that really terrified me, there's two things. The two contractors, when they come in there, they change, they practice on each other waterboarding. So mm. they know how to do it. And then they've they've changed their methods so that it's more horrible. That bit, and at the end, when they're like, oh, I've kept this, yeah, without going into spoilers, right, when you see them last, you're like, fuck, but that happened, that's true. Yeah, and it's all built on this philosophy and this idea of, of the training that SEALs and military go through to not give up information under torture and under duress to unpick that and do the reverse of it to use it against potential terrorists to get information. So it is it is an eye-opening movie. I, I was fully engaged in it. I, I watched it, you know, fully concentrated at home. I was like, I, I was really digging it actually. It's one movie as well where it doesn't build to like a big courtroom at the end and it doesn't build to a final set piece where someone's going to deliver, you know, that that moment and go for the Oscar. It, it's pretty much a simmering pot all the way through the movie. Yeah, It never like accelerates. It never takes its foot off the gas. It's always just at a constant pace. And that one is very, very unique for a movie. This is, this is so far beyond something that you would see with like a Adam McKay movie where... Bang, 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 yeah, bang, and bang. it's like are you watching guy at the back. Are you watching? Because here's the take home message, and it will you know someone will break the the fourth wall and look at you and tell you something. This is like this is almost filmed as as Adam's Adam Driver's character is of just trying to walk the line and tell you the story without making it a big production. I I actually really valued the way that Scott Z Burns kind of directed this movie. Oh, I I thought it was very good. I think people might not watch it though because it doesn't. There is no explosion of like. I think the most you get is a very heartfelt, real life message at the end from Senator McCain, which mm. is true. That speech is quite powerful. 
but that's that's like the big end. That's where you're going. There's no like Adam Driver like standing up, you know. He doesn't go back in time to fight, you know, Abraham Lincoln mm. for don't the stand justice. On the, don't stand on the table and, and say, you cannot quiet me. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, stand down or I'll put you in content. No, you will not. Scribe out. Or just like emails literally everyone in the country like a copy of the report. Mm. Um, but no, I, no, it's really cool. But it's also a period of history that I, I have studied. I remember the torture report coming out. I remember being fascinated by by it. So it's, I am feeling, <laughs> I really start to feel old when, films like political injury come out for scandals that I was alive for. <laughs> that's really starting to make me feel I was like, oh, can you not do like another Watergate? Because I'm alive then, that's fine. <laughs> but no, yeah, I know I'm all now. This movie to me is a strong, strong T. Yeah? It's maybe a bit stronger than you wanted it to be. That's perfect for me, mate. I like strong T. But it does its job. Yeah. You, you get the T. Yeah. Yeah. That's that movie. Mate, that's good. So far, the report, Gunpowder, Milkshake and Cruella. And Free Guy. And Free Guy. This is the one I'd probably recommend the most. This is the one I'd recommend the most. And do you know what? If you've got family, Cruella, if you've got a few hours to kill, you go Free Guy. I've got some films here, mate. Cool, 48 minutes. I've got some films here and I've not given you the film title mm. and I've not given you the food they should be. So I've got to guess the film and then tell you what food it is? Yeah. Okay. Right, you ready? Yeah. Robert De Niro mm. and Ray Liotta, oh, they're not hard. All right. And Ray Liotta supply the base. A tender chicken that you could do so much with. Chicken's a great base. Mm. Everyone enjoys it. Maybe your chicken's been a bit rancid, but maybe they spruced you up, Ray Liotta. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe this would be one of these good times that you'd be cooked well. Well, in the hands of head chef Martin Scorsese, well, he's decided he wants to stand out from the other restaurants in Little Italy. Mm. And takes his chicken to the streets with the ordinary people. None of this high brow chicken, mate. He wants the lower end chicken people. Head chef chicken is all the rage with people, but he needs a little something, something. He needs to stand out from the other little restaurants before him. So he smothers his chicken in a diabolical hot and fiery Joe Pesci sauce that threatens to ignite the neighborhood in, in random bouts of violence and weird tense scenes. The sauce is so good, though, it should probably win some sort of award. <laughs> What film do you think I'm talking about? It's Goodfellas. Oh, hold on. Have I gone though? Typical pizza or some sort of like Italian thing. I was, was going to say pizza would have been the, the better option, wouldn't it? What with the Goodfellas link? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I decided against it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's too easy. So you've gone with some kind of Parmesan chicken? No, I've gone with five alarm chicken. Which I took it away, straight away from it, Lee. I went, this film is fiery. If, if you think about it, Goodfellas is good. It's five alarm chicken wings. It's spicy. It's hot. It's an achievement once you've eaten them. Mm. But, and I said this with you in mind, spicy wings aren't for everyone, mate. Sometimes there's people who get put off by the spice. They're not in the mood for it. They'd too much spice a, can be too much. They would rather have a, a, you know, a calm, mild chowder. Joe Pesci, yeah. a great description of Joe Pesci if he was a food would be hot sauce. Yeah. That is the bang on Definition. Joe Pesci. Well, do you know what? Robert De Niro appears twice in this list. And I think chicken is probably his one. I think he's a chicken. Although I've said that, I've just realised now he might be better as a second one. Ray Leo, what food would he be? I think he'd be, a, I think he'd be Marmite. You know what you think? Be, yeah, I think he's very take him or like him. I happen to like him, which is weird because I don't like Marmite, but let's, <laughs> let's not go down this route. But Ray Leo's filmography is is one of the weirdest filmographies you'll ever, ever live. He'll go from a list of film, Copland, fantastic to butt-shit, crazy, low-budget, what the fuck are you doing here? I remember the film Narc, yeah. a film that he had no right being good in against the uh, 80s heartthrob. He played Michael Patrick. 
anyway. Narc mm. was a fantastic film. You know, they're trying to find out who killed the radio his um, partner. What a great, amazing film. It was so dark. It was so grimy, mate. It might be written in burnt toast. It was fucking phenomenal. I remember watching uh, Marriage Story and when he appears in it, yeah. they're like, don't fuck this up, Ray Liotta. Because he, he was the wild card in that movie. Yeah. Like, you got, get Adam Driver, you know, Scotty Hansen, breakout performances in that, like, awesome. Um, Laura Dern's in it, great job. When Ray Liotta's on it, I'm like, don't, don't, don't do this, Ray. Come on, stick, stick to it. And he, he delivers. He's all right, yeah. I think, though, in a smaller setting with less screen time, he does a better job. Mm. I think he was, I think his problem, Ray Liotta, is that, Late eighties, he wasn't he wasn't at his best. Other than like films like Goodfellas, but I know it was nineteen ninety, but still, there were times where he was big bag of poo. But not Jason the, Patrick, that guy. You Jason remember. Patrick. Yeah. Jason Patrick, because they're on about redoing Lost Boys, aren't they? Again, they shouldn't. They keep talking about a remake or a TV series. No, they do have a TV series called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's perfect. Mm. Set in California, literally. You know the character of David is Spike. <laughs> you don't need anymore. Anyway. Five alarm chicken wings. Good mm. fellas. So I went a bit different. However, see if you'll get this next one, mate. I've gone for a little something. Think um, sweet. Jeffrey stars as a white cloud of pure, unadulterated joy and pleasure. Living his life, nothing can stop this cold, calm, cool specimen of man. Everyone wants to have Jeffrey. Old gentleman after rugs, a cool, edgy art critic, and some German nihilists. Cool Jeffrey isn't alone on this plate. He's joined by inoffensive sprinkle Steve Buscemi, who does a good job of bringing an extra crisp to the food beloved by all. But now it's time for some nuts. There's no bigger nuts than that supplied by John Goodman. His nuts could overpower, but expertly great, this white fluffy cloud of joy. This dish is best served chilled and can be enjoyed time and time again by the whole family. If you eat too quickly, you will experience pain, experience pain so it's just better to sit back and take your time with this family great. That said, you probably shouldn't watch this because... Big Lebowski. It is a Big Lebowski, yes. Or food. Well, sprinkles. Well, you're saying sweet with sprinkles, so that's got to be some kind of ice cream sundae, It right? is. I, I specifically limited, though. Do you remember this? This is when we're going to geek out. Do you remember when the Pizza Hut did an unlimited ice cream factory, mate? Why, do they not do that anymore? Oh, yeah, I haven't actually been in a restaurant for to, over, like, three yeah, years. Yeah, I've not so. been to the Pizza Hut in ages. Unlimited ice cream factory, though, mate. So you come for the pizza, mm. stay for the ice cream. Touche, mate. Mate, the Big Lebowski is a pure cloud of joy, I think, when I was watching this. Nothing says ice cream like Jeff, the big Lebowski. I'm thinking that we are 55 minutes in nearly, and we probably should have started with this bit yeah. rather than because this bit struggling to get through like Cruella <laughs> and link it to food. Like next time, I think you should really be like, Aaron, I've prepared something <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> oh, okay, and go with it. Sorry, no, it's all right because this is more on theme and on like brand. Yeah, but this is this is what we do, mate. We promise something and then don't deliver until half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> just like Nibbles Pizza in Lincoln. Hey, oh! Tell the truth now. What happened to Nibbles, mate? Closed down, mate. Yeah, you got it closed down. Did. Your, your big social media campaign against it. This isn't a good one. Mm. Robert De Niro is a strong dough base, a foundation, if you will, to build other ingredients. Zac Efron is a tomato base, a necessity nowadays, and one day will be the foundation of on which other recipes are based on. So you've, you've got a lot of tomato-based recipes here. Audrey Plaza is the pineapple. Not for everyone, but can still do the right job for the right audiences. All solid ingredients that shine on their own, but not in this mess. The rind is a soggy mound of brown, found, smelling out of date vegetable peelings. The story is a giant turnip, round and uninspiring and just there, no matter how much you try to ignore it. The ending, who cares? If you had any sense, you would have thrown this dish out long before you came to the end of it. Do yourself a favour and order a Chinese next time. <laughs> 
Is this bad grandpa? It's dirty grandpa. The, the, dirty the, grandpa. The, the dirty grandpa, yes. I always get this bit mixed up. With, and the, uh, is it just me or is Robert De Niro now keep appearing as like a granddad with problems? Yeah, because I know this isn't what the storyline should be, but in that Amazon advert that you see all the time now, unless it's just me, but it seems to be, I don't think this film's doing very well on Amazon. He now plays a granddad that wants to kill his grandchild. <laughs> yeah, because they're fighting over a room. Yeah, and, and I'm kind of with the kid on this. And and Walken and walk and seems too, too into this. He's like, yeah, let's kill him. Let's, <laughs> let's go right him. <laughs> I mean, I'm all for doing kid, films aimed for kids and bringing in legends to, to their movies, but it does seem a bit lame, doesn't it? It's, it doesn't look good at all. But but, dear, dear Grandpa, I, ne- I never watched. I never intended to watch. watch it. I think I would pit it. Hawaiian pizza is that it the is, food? I did. I didn't just watch shit pizza, but I'm going to tell you right now. I was always a, pe- a pineapple denier until Deadpool got it right. Put olives on there as well, the mm. sweet and the salty. I, I'm going to admit it now. Nothing to about fucking eight pineapple. Get it off pizza. It don't belong. Put the olives on there, mate. But there's another thing on there that I don't understand. Why would anyone put sweet corn on a pizza? That's that's the unforgiving nature of this. Everyone's like, we're going to put a longer pizza. What the fuck does a sweet corn belong on a pizza for? Mate, humanity needs to take its look at itself. The things that will go down at destroying the species, nuclear arms, mm. racism, mm. sweet corn on pizza. Probably. Fucking disgusting. <sighs> Got to you, didn't it? Tom Hanks stars in his most popular role to date, potatoes. <laughs> this is a... Listeners, this is a cool idea, episode two. <laughs> so, a film boasting top ingredients from all over Europe. Did movie aims to be the caviar champagne of Hollywood, but crash lands from overbloating. Tom Hanks is the potato. It's a fine delicacy that can hold a good meal together that doesn't usually overpower anyone and lets everyone shine. In this film, the potatoes are fine, average, not smelling and decaying. They're, they're just okay. Audrey Trateau, Jürgen Prochner, and Joan Runo try to bring a continental flavour to the production, but it fails to take hold and ultimately is overpowered by the British cuisine sense. A big dollop of British in the form of Ian McKetsuri McCann oh, yeah. and Paul Bettany is all you will really remember this film and also the faint smell of Lincolnshire's famous sausages. After consuming, you will feel bloated and disappointed. What should have been an easy to make dinner has been overstuffed. Maybe if you're in a rush, this will be okay. I've got two answers for this. The mm. film it was trying to be and the film actually was. I don't know. You know what film it was, though? No. Lincolnshire Sausages, Serena McCullen. Tom Hanks. Oh, fucking... I forgot the Tom Hanks bit. I was thinking, I was thinking Paul Bettany and Ian McKellen. I forgot the Tom Hanks bit. Yeah. God, Da Vinci Code, yeah. It's the Da Vinci Code, yes. Um, I think this film was trying to be... Uh, Good? No. <laughs> you. I think this film was trying to be like salmon with like medallions of sprinkled potatoes, you know, Fried in an olive light olive juice, sprinkled with garnish, tulips. You know, maybe a uh, maybe a, a French hollandaise sauce. You know, to really spice it up. Ultimately, I think it was a baked potato with beans. Because <laughs> yeah. I just think this film is just it was shit out of nowhere. I remember they were filming in Lincoln. We all we all got there like two months later. It was on a cinema. This this film because based on the the huge book, I think they overrushed this man. I think this film could have been special, and I just think this was over bloated and crap. I've I, do you know what? I keep on film. I snuck a Chinese into watch this the cinema. Most interesting thing about the entire film? The Chinese that. Okay. <laughs> it's not a good film. It's overbloated. You, you'll feel ill. There's so much food in there, mate. I didn't mind it for what it was. I, I think the other incarnations of uh, the Robert Lingdon, whatever they are, Langdon, yeah. uh, Dan Brown stuff is... I mean, the second one, the third one was terrible. That Inferno oh, was I, fucking rubbish. Infer- Inferno was terrible. I thought the, the priest one was all right. Angels and Demons? It was okay. Ewan McGregor? Yeah. Nah. 
Okay. <laughs> I didn't mind Da Vinci Code a little bit. I think maybe I got caught up in the hype that some of it was shot in our hometown and, you know, Tom Tom Hanks was here for a little while and Ian McKellen. quite nice, didn't he? Yeah. I'd have read the book. And, uh, yeah. I really like the book because I think I read it in like a night because all the chapters are really, really short. So you do get such a great sense of living that story. Mm. It's like, like every other chapter is like every four Pages and like, oh my god, I'm smashing through this book. You feel like you've actually achieved something with your life. Mm. It's not like a Stephen King book. Yeah, where you just, mate, if you if the main author writes in it, do not read the rest of this book. I don't understand why he's getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> he's just told you to not read it. Anyone for anyone? Chris Evans stars as a stick thin, minuscule bit of beef jerky. But when he's at the barbecue, he gets cooked into prime juicy all American beef. <laughs> Perfect for the summer, Chris Evans is what you want on a warm day when you're out at a baseball game or down in a sexy American imported beer. Mmm. Are there any condiments? Well, hell yes, they are. The old crispy onion is served on a Tommy Lee Jones bread. While aged, brings much-needed taste to the meal. Sprinkled on as a good helping of Hayley Atwell, who brings a much-needed innocence to the dish that never outpowers but perfectly balances the meal. Almost mm. like a relish. Mmm. Are there any issues? Well, yes. The red sauce promised so much when you first saw it. <laughs> but ultimately, the red sauce is watery, ineffective. If done right, the tomato-based condiment could have been done so much more. It could have been the ultimate red sauce, but alas, it wasn't to be. Confusing towards the end, when your body starts to get full, there's still a side of potato-best characters to smash down, including crazy curly fries that would have been great in another meal, but are just dwarfed by the gigantic American beef. It's an okay meal, but maybe too much for an appetizer, as this is just course number four of 23. <laughs> <laughs> Captain America. Captain America. As the first Avenger. The first Avenger as any American meal. Or as a, as a hamburger. <laughs> just hamburger. I got hot dog. I got anything. There you go. <laughs> Joe, that was the most fun I had with that one. Mm. I was like, yeah, it will be. I've got a question for you, though. Mm. I don't want to get... I did one for Thor as a joke, because I watched... So I'm watching the MCU with my friend. Toast. <laughs> just toast. That's what Thor would be. White and nothing special about it. It's just toast. Not even butter, just some just kind of spread. <laughs> Doesn't age well. It gets worse. They dyed his beard. He looks like a knobhead. So he's gone to Thor now. It is overly blonde, that beard it's and eyebrows, isn't too it? Blonde. He looks he looks like he's escaped some sort of like alopecia wig factory. <laughs> it does it does it does build to like the potential of a good fight scene that doesn't really happen, does no. it doesn't really pay off. It, that film should just be called Tease. <laughs> it, nothing happens. It you watch it for the longest time. Um, everyone said it gets really bloated by the Avengers stuff. I remember reading things. Oh, what really hurts Thor is that they have to cram in so much Avengers because in two movies time the Avengers is coming out. You know, this time next year the first Avengers is coming out, so we need lots of Shield stuff in it. You need to introduce Hawkeye. If you didn't have that stuff in it, there'd be no fucking film because <laughs> because mm. it would be Thor showing up on Earth and pissing them out for an hour and a half. See that I think Thor it doesn't age well, but. Dark World is better, older. Well, do you know what? I never liked Captain America. I always thought it was a bit crap. However, I really did watch it this time around. I really enjoyed it. Mm. I got to grips with it. I still think the Red Skull or the Red Sauce <laughs> is one of the biggest letdowns in Marvel's history. Mm. He should, should have been so easy to do. Hugo Weaving, who at the time was he was the guy, if you needed like a any kind of actor, you needed a villain, you know, Agent Smith, you needed like Elrond, you know, a kind of like a statesman, Hugo Weaving, you want one of Marvel's best villains, Hugo Weaving. If you want one of DC's best anti-heroes, V. Yeah, ah, there you go, that's cracking. But uh, no, just kind of like pisses about. 
never Toby Jones is the actual villain because he's the one that comes back in the sequels with a diabolical plan as a fucking computer voice yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> you fucked up the Red Skull that badly that the bigger villain is a fucking computer that you could just go I'm just going to disconnect you from the internet that's all I'm, I'm going to unplug you I'm going to change the password for dial-up and then you're going to be fucked. I'm certain there's something in that se- in that second movie where it's like, hold on, so Toby Jones is downloading himself into a computer that's been the mastermind behind this next plot in a computer that's like, what, fucking 60 years old or yeah. whatever. But like the scene before, they couldn't work out Satnav or they're in, a, or they're in an Apple store and they didn't know what anything was. And you're yeah. like, all right, okay. Yeah. That being said, I don't mind Winter Soldier. I thought it was a no, it movie. No, it is. I'm looking forward to watching it again. Um, so they were, my, they were my recipes for food. Loving it. I think what he's doing there, though, is a good idea because, like, what would you crown the Sunday dinner? I was of thinking movies? about this, and I have worked it out. Is the is the Sunday dinner the Oscar? Is that the the movie in the food world? Is that the award you would want for your movie? I think Sunday dinner is one of the films that right. So we will all eat different things. You're a vegetarian, so you won't eat meat. Mm. I I quite like meat. I cut out pork mostly, but I still enjoy the beef. Americans in their in their ways, you know, the fast food giants. However, there is one thing that unites probably about 60% of the world, and it is a meal. And it's a meal that doesn't change that consistency that much. And it is the Sunday roast. However, you wouldn't have meat in yours, but you would have a substitute for yeah. meat. We'd have the same veg. We'd have leeks. We'd have broccoli, carrots. I'd have maybe two types of potato. Maybe two types of potato. There's nothing wrong with that. So, yes, I agree with you. Held I'll- together by a luscious gravy. Mate. Stuffing I- balls. Oh, and mate. a Yorkshire pud. My, uh, my dad's got into really making his own Yorkshire puddings, and they are the best. Oh, yeah. Mate. I totally agree with you. I think there's the pinnacle. And I was trying to work out what would be my Sunday roast. And I, my Sunday roast film. Team, Hold on, have you got it? Do you know what it is? Yeah. Should we say it at the same time? Okay. Go, three, two, one, and then say it. Okay. I, I don't think this is the best movie, but I think this is the movie that would I would define as the Sunday dinner. Okay. But it's not what I would say is an Oscar winning movie, but it is the Sunday dinner movie. Okay. Three, two, one. Lord Tinker of the Rings. Tinker Taylor Soldiers Spy. Oh, okay. Tinker Taylor Soldiers Spy, mate. Because I've come from this from a very, very British perspective. Gary Oldman, mm. Tom Hardy, mm. Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm, there's a sausage. Toby Jones. Oh, mate, you've got that's uh, a potato. Toby Jones, mate, you've got so much here. And here's what's here's what's really weird. They would be my ingredients, mm. but the intrigue, the story that kind of goes everywhere. That's my thick gravy, mate, because mm. it smatters over all of the ingredients, all the characters. I'm metaphoring here. Goes everywhere, ties them all beautifully together. Then you get scenes with mix match. You cut up your potato mate with a bit of broccoli. Those two characters are interacting. What do you need to slice them all together? You made a big dollop, mate. Big dollop of gravy. Maybe a sauce played by Kathy Bates. Oh, what kind of oh, sauce? Whole, uh, horseradish. Oh, it's a bit too much of that. You get the burn in the nose. Well, that's maybe why she's not in it that much. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, that, I mean, that is a side effect of too much uh, Kathy Bates in the movie. Um, but I, that's what I would say. I, again, I know I've come this from a purely British perspective, but then, have you ever seen Tinker Tay? So yeah, yeah, yeah. So slow. And I'm one of my favourite memories about uh, Sunday dinner is that they take a while to eat. Mm. Like you, if you're finished in five minutes, you've not done your Sunday roast dinner properly. There, there are certain scenes in movies that I just fucking love when it happens because they're so like the rule book of movies. Like we talked about one earlier about like, if you're doing a political drama, you know, or a historical American um, like moment in history, you know, you have to have the shot of your leads sat on the steps of some monument building in Washington when there is no one around taking photos, no <laughs> tourists, nothing like that. You're like, what hour of the day did they film this in? You know, same with, uh, wait, wait, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy has that in the opening five minutes of a rendezvous of spies. Yeah. Uh, Mark Strong. Mark Strong. And there is a moment where he walks around and there's there's a scene where he's looking around and you're with him trying to figure out, is this a setup? Because there's an old lady sweeping 
And she looks at him and then scurries away and closes the door and a dove just flies away. So John Lou. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's just all these things. There's someone dropping, you know, bringing a coffee out and it's like, was that an earpiece in their ear? You know, like, like that kind of thing. It, I love that. It takes a swatch by straight away, gives you that scene. You're like, oh, it's from the rule book, man. It's from the rule book. Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings. So you would have gone, I I, I can see it. I was just going like Entsy, like broccoli, you know. <laughs> I was just- I was just going down there, you know, like, you know, you, you got your hobbits are kind of like your little, you know, stuffing balls. Yeah. You know. Oh, I get that. You got Sean Bean refusing to die. That's like real tough beef. <laughs> the toughest. <laughs> the end piece. Yeah. <laughs> Ian McKellen just floating around like a luscious gravy. I'm really hungry. God, I'd eat Ian McKellen right now. <laughs> I think if Ian McKellen's a food, he is the sandwich. Easily accessible. You can have whatever you want because he's got such range. You can have whatever kind of filling you want. He is the sandwich. No, I'm not talking about any sandwich. He's the sandwich. I've said this before, though. I reckon if I could live off one food for the rest of my life, it would pizza would probably be the top one. Yeah. But I think a sandwich, mate. I think genuinely I could eat. There's that many variations. I never get bored of them. Yeah. I think to me, I reckon I could do that. I think the sandwich is a very underappreciated food, which is why and when I say Serena McKellen is a sandwich, that's not an insult. It's one of the greatest compliments of my mouth mm. that's what Ian McKellen wants yeah and then do you know what I'm not going to leave Patrick Stewart out there mate mm. Patrick Stewart's cereals and I'm not just boasting to anything he's, what if you want he's all cereals mate he's encompassing you want cheeky maybe it's hula hoops it's hula hoops I meant to say choco hoops sorry I'm really into big choco hoops at the minute if you want cereals he can be your fibre he made the man's got range and he's good at all times of the day, not just for breakfast. Yes. Uh, do you know what? When's the most... I don't eat breakfast in the morning. I think it's wasted. I think after it's this podcast, I'm probably going to have a bowl of cereal, James. Yeah. I, let's be honest. And it's half nine at night. So mate, you, you can have a big old bowl of Patrick Stewart. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Pass me a spoon, mate. I'm ready to go. I feel like we've really reached. <laughs> so, well, we're at the hour, so this is oh, what we can call it now. So I thank God for that. No, well, do you know what? Weirdly, this is one of these episodes that the more we've talked about, the more I've got into it. So... Mm. I guess all the questions you can ask is, so I said American, so I said the ultimate American meal is a hot dog and I said it's Captain America because it celebrates it. But actually it's not because when I was doing it, the reason I did that was because I'd already written it. Afterwards I realised, do you know what the most American dish is? It's probably, you know, like, I don't know, steak with a side of burger. Mm. It's Top Gun. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, right. so yeah. Top Gun. If you're watching Top Gun, Top Gun is the freaking freaking the bar it's the American it's, it's, it's the American barbecue it's having some suds mate at a fucking tailgate party it's so American it's so American <laughs> so American mate it, 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 no I was going to make a political joke and then decide against it because we've got some American listeners <laughs> but that's what I would say that is and the British movie the most ultimate British dish of all time fish and chips mate mm. it's probably and I is probably a fucking uh, Jason Statham film fish and chips yeah, I think you're probably right, isn't yeah, it? That's, and that's a bit that's a bit upsetting to me. Yeah, because like Hobbs and Shaw would be like surf and turf. Yeah, but yeah, two two worlds. <laughs> <Alive. That's>, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but then again, I, I just think you know we live in a world where we were able to do this, which is a testament to itself. <laughs> we were able to somehow make movies into fucking food. <laughs> Where'd you go from this, James? Oh, should we go back to like something normal next week? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I'll admit, I'll, I'll be honest that I, this week's been tough. I, I've not had a lot of time to prepare for this. I very nearly messaged saying, let's do it another night. But I'm kind of glad we stuck it out because, because at least now we know it don't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because <laughs> we could have been another few days until it's, we figured this out. It's been a really weird time for you because people don't know. So working in the NHS, things are changing out. You know, it turns out that we need booster shots. You're, when was the last time you actually did the job that you were paid for? It was ages ago. Well, it's like over mm. two years now. Do you even know what your job was before? No, I don't even know what I'm doing now. I'll be honest, James. I'll be honest now. So you inject that into the fact that you've got a nine month. You know, times not times have changed for you. I've literally changed my career. I've just I've changed my life. I've gone. Do you know what? I hate my job. I don't work there anymore. You know, I spend my day studying and doing fucking online applications, which is the most soul destroying thing in the world. And then so today I did a job application, and after that I was like, right, I can't write up my films as food. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't get them mixed up. Because if I started this off with why you should hire me, I'd be like, oh, fuck, I've sent the fucking NHS a coffee of fucking why I think Captain America is fucking hot dogs. So I suppose you could say this this episode is the, like, the culmination, the coming together of madness. Yeah. And that's what it manifested into this. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is, isn't it? This is that. This is this week's episode. I'm certain next week will be uh, more available. But that's very kind of you. I think, yeah, you're right. It's not, not always going to be winners. But... <laughs> Please, please listen. Please, please listen to next week. We, we promised to do better. But, but I'll be honest, when I look at download figures sometimes, it annoys me when certain episodes get the recognition they get. Like, you can put your heart and soul into an episode. Like episode, My favourite episode is when we did an election. I thought it was one of the best episodes. That we put so much effort into it, and no one fucking listened to it. <laughs> oh, no, they, yeah, did, I mean they did. They did it right, but every now and again, one like the Mario Brothers comes out, and you yep. think that does not deserve the downloads we got for that episode. The nine 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 episode again. Going into that, it was a random year we picked. It fucking actually got really good downloads. So you can't really predict the nature of what you can do. And I don't want to get to the podcast where we just fucking pick, you know, like a, a movie to discuss because it, they, they're a great podcast that do that. Yeah. I mean, let's leave them to do that. We will do the shit that <laughs> we'll no one does. We'll do this. <laughs> so, oh. ne- so next week we're going to pick a movie series and we're going to look at that or an actor. We haven't done one of them for a while. What, like an actor's filmography? Yeah. Mm. Who's hot at the minute? Uh-huh. Carrie Gillen probably doesn't have that much in her filmography to go. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing a, court, a, a coma one. She, Have you seen, she's got that TV series out that she's done with Mr. Britain. It's, uh, it's, it's a player. film. Oh, is it a film? Yeah, it's, oh. a, it's, a, it's a one hour. It's tr- uh, tr- Truth or something, what it's called? Oh, I can't remember. It's on I, Channel 4. It's on, oh, it's on Channel 4. Well, I know that she's, um, she's spoken very highly of- um, Stephen Graham. Stephen Graham, because apparently Stephen Graham was the one that gave her a big break. Mm. His age, he like, started promoting that. I just think that's really- Everything I hear about Stephen Graham makes me love that man even more, which makes me, you know, fear. Because every time I like someone, they turn out to be fucking sexual deviant or fucking Hollywood eats people. What, they're cannibal. <laughs> fucking hell I'm sorry Stephen Graham <laughs> for whatever happened to you which is definitely going to happen because you're cursed now I can't believe we did a whole food episode I didn't bring up cannibalism once well, I've really let the team down I'm this week well if we'd done that we'd just been talking about Army Hammer and we definitely did do it <laughs> <laughs> he's had his time because he looks the sort doesn't he <laughs> when you look at him you just, he's definitely yeah. in human flesh so with the last point then, if the crowning award, I suppose he's saying your movie, because again, we said this all the time, star ratings in movies do not work. Like, because the second you give Batman and Robin five stars, you have to hold every other movie up to that standard. Batman and Robin, okay, no, no one's giving that five stars, but Ang Lee's Hulk was given five stars yeah. once. So Did how do you then compare Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy to Hulk? So it doesn't work. Do you think but it's food? I think you could give movies a food rating where people would just go, oh, okay, you know, like like you say, Marmite. It would be like, some people like it, some people don't. You know, uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know, jam sandwich, you might be like, oh, okay, bit of serious, bit of fun, but ultimately I'm going to be quite happy with that. Should this be our new marketing system? <laughs> yeah, weak tea would be like the bottom, surely. 
Milky Tea. An Adam Sandler movie tea. is Milky Tea. Oh, it's it's tea. Oh, yes, very Milky Tea. Oh, we could. Oh, mate, yes, yes. The scoring system. There you go. So you do have to listen to this episode. This episode is very important because it now explains the rating system for Sims. <laughs> <laughs> so if you missed this episode in a few weeks and you don't understand why we've awarded Lord of the Rings TV series an apple pie, then it's your own fault. <laughs> and ours. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll see you later. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good night. Goodbye.